You are listening to To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington. Thank you, Jamesy. And Jason Bailey. Bump is uh, pretty good. But the reality is... They don't know, man! I've been looking forward to To The Top Talk. You know, I have that with myself every night. Every day, anything we do is Southern Miss To The Top. What's going on? What's happening? How you guys doing? Welcome to To The Top Talk with Jamie Arrington and Jason Bailey. Here with your break from all of the High Resource 5 propaganda to talk about the University of Southern Mississippi Golden Eagles. I'm Jamie Arrington. With me as always, Jason Bailey. Take it away, Jason. Greetings and salutations. Um, Today was a heck of a day, wasn't it? It it kind of, uh, you know, I started off my work day and went through it and then uh, started, (laughs) well, I I got a text from Luke and then I got a text from you. And then, um, you know, I was kind of sad for a couple hours there, but it was Weird day, and I guess I would expect nothing less from 2020. Uh, 2020 just keeps rolling right along, and uh, and here we are. I'm just glad we hadn't recorded an episode yet. You know, the first episode we recorded was the day that Munkin left for Tampa Bay. Sure. And we had to. Go, I had to go back and record it. I was like, I'm not going to put you through that, but went back <laughs> and recorded it again and put it out there. So, yeah, similar vibe today, but I don't think the stakes are as high with this. I mean, as far as the season goes, yes. Uh, it was a disappointment, but there's there's a lot going on right now. You had you have everything going on with COVID. The cases are as high as they've ever been. You've got um, the election next week, so it's all that's going on. I've got the World Series on right now, and not to mention that, but for the umpteenth time this year, we have got a uh, tropical storm heading our direction. By the time this gets out, it will likely be a hurricane. Tropical storm Zeta Jones is out in the Gulf, expected to head this <laughs> way uh, Thursday. I think like. Uh, Wednesday overnight is, I think, when it's supposed to come through. So I hope everybody stays safe. It looks like it's kind of heading in our direction, kind of in the New Orleans, um, Gulf Coast, uh, you know, Mississippi Gulf Coast, Alabama Gulf Coast, Florida Gulf Coast, probably some places to just keep an eye out right now. Yeah, that's a ton of stuff going on. And it seems like every day I find my head just swimming in different directions but for, for all of those things that you mentioned. And then today, of course, you know, we add on the coaching thing, so – I, I don't know anymore, man. I, I, I do know this. I do know that, that I'm not, you know, giving up on the players or anything like that. Even though, like I tweeted out today, just one word, I tweeted out basketball. Kind of ready for that start. And no way am I trying to say that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to any more football games or anything like that. Uh, I, I will say that my expectations are, you know, even more tempered than they were, but, uh, by no means do I want to give up on the players. If, if it means, you know, I'll put it this way. Like if there's, if there's one player that comes out and sees me up there for whatever reason, sees me cheer and he'll know that I didn't give up on him and that's where I want to be. So, uh, but you know, the football season as a whole, it's just so weird. The whole thing is just so weird. And, and although I am looking forward to basketball, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not ready to, to throw in the towel on football yet by any means. So let's get into what happened with Scotty Walden today. So it was announced this morning that Scotty Walden, who has been serving as the interim football coach here at Southern Miss since September 7th, uh, it was announced that he is the new head coach at Austin P. Now, some things about this. So, so when I first saw this, I'm sure you were the same way. You were like, what the hell? Where, you know, we still got football left to play. Why would you bail in the middle of a season like this? Twofold. One, I didn't realize this, think about this at the time, but Austin P is that their football season, um, will be kicking off in February. So 
it's not like he can just leave in December, turn around and flip it and, you know, put a team and a staff together and everything by the time they kick off. So I, I do understand that the timing is it sucks. It's terrible. It's certainly not ideal. But at the same time, you know, we're just going to roll out another interim <laughs> coach. Right. Um, but you could tell that the players were a little upset earlier. I think they had a meeting since then and and cooler heads have prevailed and and they it, it kind of seems like it could be a point of unity for them going forward. And I still think we got a pretty good team. Like all this being said, I mean, I don't know if you feel the same way I do, but I, I still kind of expect to win Saturday. Uh, you know, and I, I, I hadn't heard about what players were going to have coming back or anything, but it might even take some pressure off where they're like, you know what? literally nothing to lose, nothing to lose anymore uh just go out there let it fly stop thinking um and just and just you know just ball out and and we do have we have you know skill position players everywhere we have capable people on defense even though we're probably have to score some points to win more than we normally do but you know it, it's it's just it's I, and i think my thought process went the same way as the players did when, when i first heard it you know i'd like to go back and look at those tweets so that i mean those those texts that uh that you and i had or you know 30 minutes after i found out uh they were probably pretty angry and then later on i was like well especially when you mentioned the austin p thing i mean uh, about them starting in february i forgot that some teams had shifted their football seasons to the spring but yeah if if you're i'm sure you have to get up there and get acclimated and get introduced and you know, figure out who your coaches are going to be and all that. So that makes sense. And and honestly, the writing was probably on the wall a little bit. If you read that article that Patty McGee wrote in the uh, Sun Herald, that I think I guess yesterday. Yes. Um, you know, he was throwing around like, uh, you know, what what the new coach might be paid, and you know, and kind of I, I just just cryptically. You read that and you're like, oh, doesn't sound like Scotty. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so even though I was attached to the guy, I love the guy. I'll probably some, you know, I'll probably stay a fan of his forever. Um, you know, the writing was kind of on the wall. Maybe, you know, I, I guess he was given a shot, and then all of a sudden you get two postponements, and uh, you know, it maybe who knows if we if he'd have coached both those games and and would have won both those games, if we'd be sitting in the same spot right now, but. At this point, even though it happened today, it's kind of in the rearview mirror already, and I wish him nothing but luck at Austin P. But you know, we it looks like we have a a bunch of good candidates that 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 we're looking at, so I can't wait to to just get one, you know. And yeah, and something else to think about with that. I mean, I'm confident in his abilities to be a head coach, but if he doesn't get this role as the interim coach, does he get that head coach role at Austin P? We don't know. You know, this is just something else, just kind of how the cards have fallen this year. But, um, yeah, it's definitely interesting. It's definitely – it sucks because, you you know, these players, you come into the season, and, and at the end of last season, you look at the roster we had coming back, and you look at the, what we had coming in, and you think, okay, yeah, we have some holes to fill, but it looks like it should be setting up for a pretty solid year. And then you get to fall camp, and then you have – Quite a few players opting out. You, 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 there's an uncertainty there with, are we even going to play? Is this season going to count? Am I going to lose a year of eligibility if I get into this and I get sick? So there's all these questions going on. Some of the better players on the team on defense either weren't available to play or opted out, you know, right before the season starts. They come in, a game that they're favored in by, you know, about just about two touchdowns and they, they lose that game. 
Next thing you know, their their head coach quits. They get an interim head coach. They get so close to victory, and it, it just it's just like a foot. Uh, you know, the, the the touchdown that Louisiana Tech scored right at the end that Jeremy McLean didn't do a good enough job of blocking out the cameras with. Um, <laughs> and then you turn around, you get you you come out strong, but you get smoked by Tulane in the second half. You know, then you get. Uh, you come out, you, you get some momentum going with North Texas. Scotty gets that first victory. You see the energy going, and then you have a postponement that not necessarily your fault. The following week, then you, the week after that, you have a postponement that is kind of your fault. Then your then your interim head coach gets COVID and he's out, and then your starting quarterback gets COVID and he's out. You know, and then you come back and you're like, okay, I think we might have everybody going on, and then your interim head coach is gone. So now your interim interim steps in. It's uh, it's a lot for these young guys to go through. I'm very thankful that none of them are losing eligibility because I could see where it would be. But but they haven't bailed. They're still here. You can kind of see get a sense of unity with this team. You get guys like Frank Gore that's like, I'm not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, Jason Brown. A lot of those guys um, were really adamant about that. And you can kind of see some some Southern Miss pride building, even in some of the worst of circumstances. So these guys have been through a lot. I think this is a very volatile team. I think there's, you know, outside of uh, the North Alabama game, which I think we should win, there's not a game on the schedule that we can't win or lose. I think uh, there's going to be some t- games that we're not favored in that we're very volatile. I mean, like, if you have Tim Jones and you have um, Jason Brownlee out there in the field at the same time now, mm-hmm. you know, with how Brownlee has progressed – I mean, that's 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 a lot to have to keep up with, and that opens up spots on the rest of the field. If you can keep the running game like it's been going the past two games, I mean, it wasn't perfect last week, but I believe we still had a solid yardage total, you know. Um, so if you can keep those things going, I mean, there's not a team on this schedule that we can't beat at the same time. You look at how we perform defensively, there's not a team on this schedule that can't light us up if we don't step it up, <laughs> sure. you know. So. Right. Well, and there and there were some some bright spots on the defensive side of the ball, particularly from from Latham, I thought. Uh, but but you're right. For, for the most part, this team is is going to have to score a lot of points. Kind of like I think you mentioned this at the beginning of the year in one of our episodes. Kind of like the uh, Fedora's first year or maybe second year. You know, where we were scoring a ton of points and we were losing like 51 to 49. Uh, this team kind of feels like that. I feel like we can score against anybody. I really do. Even with Tate, and I, you know, I don't know about you, but I, I think that Tate kind of proved to me that he should at least have some packages here and there, right? Bring him in, Taysom Hill style, throw him out in the slot. I don't care. He's an athlete. That dude can play. Still think Jack's about a better quarterback overall. Um, and, and maybe and maybe last week the, 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 the game that we played against Liberty, maybe the defense just, just a, a running quarterback, uh, you know, lended itself to, to be better suited for that team. I don't know, but – you know, Tate looked awesome. So that's another bright spot. There's, it's it's tough to find so many bright spots in a, in a year that's so weird and a team that's performing so poorly in the win loss column. But you know, it's I'm not blind, right? I mean, it's there every single week. I can find these things. So it's just weird, man. It's just it, it's kind of like my golf game. Like sometimes I'll go out and I'll hit the ball great and I'll shoot 84. I'm like, how the hell did that happen? Other times I'll hit it poorly and I'll shoot 74. So I have no idea. Why either one of those happened, kind of like this football team. I will say this too. You know, Scotty Walden, like you said, we were fans of his. Uh, certainly wish him the best. It, it, uh, he didn't really have a choice. I mean, he could have, st- he could have stuck it out with his team and been jobless. 
you know, he's got a new baby boy. Um, or, you know, he could take this job now and, and be secure. Uh, so mm-hmm. I totally understand why he did it. it. The timing of it sucks, but this is no indication of, of us, uh, there being internal issues here. We're going to hire a new coach in December. I mean, that's a fact. So, you know, this year it's, it's, it's not, I mean, it's not a mulligan, but it kind of is. Uh, there are better days ahead. And I have a lot of faith in what Jeremy McLean's going to be able to put together. We're not bringing back Bauer. We're not bringing back Jeff Bauer. Um, Todd Have Monk those started again. Yes, Have the Bauer things. Yes, the Bauer things are really still out there. The Bauer things are really still out there. We're not. We're not. Uh, Todd mm. Todd Munkin is not coming back. As much as we would love to see that happen, that's not happening. But there's going to be some names that come up. There's going to be some names that are mentioned. We're not going to dive too deep into that tonight. But there's one name that I want to throw out there. So last night I was having a conversation with Drew White from Golden Eagle Pride. And we were talking about, you know, the coaching situation, uh, you know, moving forward. This is before the stuff came out with Scotty. And he says, you know, I really like that guy that's the uh, head coach of Coastal Carolina. I think he'd do a great job. He'd be the type of guy we'd, we'd like to see here. So we get to talking about that. And then we look into the guy and we find out that Jeremy McLean actually hired him. His name is Jamie Chadwell. Jeremy McLean hired Jamie Chadwell to be the head coach at Delta State back in 2012. And Jeremy, so Jamie Chadwell had one year at Delta State. I think he went three and seven, not the best year. But Jeremy left in September of 2012, like right when that season started, to come to Southern Miss to, to join the staff here as an assistant assistant associate AD, whatever his title was back then. <laughs> but mm-hmm. Jeremy's already hired this guy once. And right. now now he's with the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. Who are five and zero? Who beat Kansas? Who beat uh, Louisiana Lafayette? And they're a ranked team right now. Um, you know, this is a guy that you might want to keep an eye on. I'm not saying that he's in the mix because I have no proof of that. But when you start looking at people that Jeremy has had ties to, it's a very interesting name, particularly with how that Coastal Carolina team has performed thus far this year. You know, when you brought that, when you mentioned that name to me, I guess today is when you mentioned it to me. Um, I kind of started doing some research too, and and it's it's a very very intriguing. And the more I look into it, uh, the more I like it. Um, I I I don't know if there's any legs to it at all. You probably know more than I do, but you would like to think that someone like that that would you know would at least get a phone call, right? I mean, it's a head coach. It's a guy you already know. It's a guy that we can afford, and we would also be a, I think a pretty substantial upgrade salary wise to what he's making now. So that checks a lot of the boxes right off the bat. And I think he's an offensive guy, um, a young, a younger guy. I mean, that, that checks quite a few boxes uh, he's got, right he's, off the bat. He, having coached at Delta state, he's definitely got ties in the area. He's, he's coached at some other places um, in and around the South, but he made, I think his salary right now is 400 thou at Co- uh, coastal Carolina. But from everything I've heard, from what was mentioned in the article that Patrick McGee put out yesterday, the salary for this, not only the head coach, but the staff as a whole, is going to be increased. So I don't know how much Coastal Carolina would counter with at this point, but I think that we are going to have a very substantial uh, offer to put out there to whoever is our head coach. And Jeremy said in the article, uh, this will put us in the top five of Conference USA as far as what we're paying our coaches. So I don't know... What that number is, it probably depends on the coach themselves. I mean, if you you get someone like, you know, 
I know we've talked about it in the past. We'll say a Hugh Freeze, you're probably going to have to pay more to get somebody like that um, than you do, say, like a Will Hall. So I think I feel good about the direction Jeremy McLean is going with this. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. And uh, this guy, Jamie Chadwell, he this is the 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 uh, the deep diving research you get here at to the top talk. He follows Jeremy on Twitter. So that is it's <laughs> a done deal. It's a done deal. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I think that's a guy that you if you're if you're putting together your your uh, hot list, uh, that's somebody that you definitely want to include on that for now although we haven't jeremy won't talk to us he doesn't really he's not going to tell us who's who's uh who he's hiring so we just have to speculate this guy was born in 1977 i was born in 1976 am i getting to that age where like all the coaches are going to be younger than me i was born in 79 bro we're all right there together man (laughs) Man, getting old sucks. 2020 <laughs> sucks, but getting old sucks too. Getting old so, in 2020. Yeah. Man, <laughs> let's just get this year over with. Let's just, you know, maybe we're inching towards it, but hopefully we can come out with a hell of a football coach. And I do like that we're kind of, you know, ponying up some dough. I don't know where we're finding it. Uh, it's not coming, it's not coming from my, you know, Eagle Club donation, <laughs> I don't think. But, uh, but who knows, man? Like, hopefully, hey, I'll tell you this. One, one good thing about, I guess, you know, hop quitting so quickly and then our interim getting a head job so quickly is that we're kind of in a position to get out in front of this before anybody else does. Right. I mean, how many other coaches, are, how many other teams don't have coaches right now? Are yeah. We I think we're the only one. I, so, yeah, uh, and, and, and we're on coach number three. So I guess that's a silver lining that, you know, that the wheels don't have to start being put into motion later uh we can get out in front of this thing right now and and maybe somebody that we might have missed out on maybe we already get them i don't know i don't know how that goes down but there are definitely brighter days ahead for southern miss uh in all avenues uh specifically football and and i i don't think it's too far away yeah just be cool baby just weather the storm (laughs) we got we got six more weeks and then we got a new coach probably probably gonna be six more six more weeks you know Maybe before then, maybe shortly after then, but I would imagine that being around the timetable of when we will find out who the new coach is at Southern Miss. Uh, what throws a monkey wrench into that is we're probably going to have some games after that date, uh, you know, and who knows what games are going to be canceled from here on out. There was, there's already been two conference USA games postponed this week. So, um, but while we have content to talk about, let's, let's look back at the game this past weekend. Southern Miss taking on the Liberty Flames. Let's do a little good, bad, need to work on. Jason, do you have a good? Good. We mentioned him a little bit earlier, but Tate Watley. I mean, how impressed did you come, you know, out of that game, uh, with Tate? Four rushing scores. Um, and really he only had like one bad throw, you know, I, I thought he made good decisions all night. He had the one throw that just kind of sailed on him a little bit and ended up going for an interception. But, uh, but I thought Tate just, you know, uh, came into kind of a, a near impossible situation really. And, and did about as good as we could have hoped him for him to do. Yeah. He had a solid game. He was 15 for 26 passing for 188 yards, one TD, one interception. So, not the not the greatest day through the air, but he made up uh, with uh, for that with his legs with 12 carries, 52 yards, and four touchdowns. With a long, 
of 19. So that was an added dimension, something else that you have to prepare for there when you're facing Tate Whiteley. Hopefully Tate's okay. The last play of the game, he got caught with a cheap shot. Um, the player from Liberty was ejected, and he, uh, I think he's going to have to sit out a little bit this uh, in their next game. So good luck, buddy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, I thought it was a great name for Tate. So I'm going to start with my good. Uh, I'm going to start with the uh, with a big play, Jason Brownlee. Um, he actually appeared this past weekend on You Got Mossed, Randy Moss's segment on ESPN. Right. Where it takes a look at a receiver who made a Moss-esque play. Jason Brownlee catching a Tate Whiteley pass on the sidelines over the over the outreached arms of Liberty defensive back and former Golden Eagle Emmanuel Dabney. Um, but it was a great play, made it on ESPN, and Brownlee is getting more and more impressive every week. Five receptions, 114 yards, and one touchdown with a long of 35. So big play Brownlee, another big week for him. You know, I had Brownlee on my list as well, um, and, you know, th- there's not enough things that I can say about that guy. We're watching him grow up right in front of our eyes. He just looks the part, you know, most of the time. It- if anything, uh, it seems like sometimes we throw him the ball and then I don't hear from him for like an hour. I'm like, why? <laughs> Where did he go? And maybe the other teams are just trying to take him away. I get that too. But um, like you mentioned earlier, when we get Tim on the opposite side of him, I mean, what in the world are people going to do? Um, but for my uh, second good, I have uh, attitude. And it, it, along with attitude, I, I, I put in there – the 21 unanswered uh, points to get back into the game. You know I mean? Like the first quarter was kind of okay. The second quarter kind of sucked. The third quarter, uh, we're back, you know? <laughs> and that takes some guts, man. It takes some guts coming out after halftime when you're you're getting pounded already and to come out and score 21 in a row. I thought that, that just took a lot of, you know, that Southern Miss grit and uh, determination that the program's kind of been built on. And and we came out and did it, and the game became fun again. And, and um and I really liked looking at Hugh Freeze over there, wondering what the hell was going on. It was it was really tremendous to watch. It was exciting, you know, because we were down yeah. so big in that second half. And they came right out of the gate. Um, you get a turnover. And then on the kickoff, we, we recover what was kind of like an onside kick and uh, are able to put two scores on the board really fast within the first mm-hmm. few minutes of the second half. So it was really exciting to see that going. There were some other opportunities there that we just couldn't make happen. Like you said, I, I, I think – the best football player that we're going to see all year is Malik Willis for, for, for Liberty. I mean, it's just, there's no containing that guy. Um, but I, I love the fight. I love the heart in the second half. I love the adjustments coming out of the half to get back into the game. So I, mm-hmm. I'm right there with you on that. Yeah, no doubt. Um, my next, uh, good, and I say this because it's something, an area we struggle in, but, but running the ball. Now we, we had 41 carries for 215 yards. Uh, averaging 5.2 yards per carry, which given how we performed on the ground earlier this year and, and for a good part of last season, that's a really a step in the right direction of where we want to be moving forward. Uh, Frank Gore was leading rusher, 15 carries for 79 yards with a long of 10. He kind of got banged up there in the end, but all indications are that he is going to play this week. Yeah, he's, uh, he's good. He's, 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 he's shifty. You know, um, but he's kind of he's kind of that, that uh, I don't know, like a fluid motion at the same time. I mean, I don't want to I don't need to sound like he's this guy, but does he have a little bit of that Alvin Kamara in him a little bit? You know what I'm saying? Like he'll 
he, he looks smooth out there and he looks balanced all the time. And, uh, and even more than that, I think he's, I think he's like one of the leaders on the football team. Um, so, so glad that he picked here. It looks like he's going to not give up on it. Um, and when it's all said and done, that kid, uh, could, could really be kind of, you know, pushing some records in the record book if he, if he keeps it going like he is. Cause he's getting, he's getting a lot of, a lot of this stuff is freshman year. If you're ever going to make any, any, uh, any pushes in, in the, uh, record book category, it's got to start your freshman year. And, and he's doing that. And it's, uh, it's a pleasure to watch him play. I'll give you another good, um, and we, we kind of talked about him earlier, but, uh, Central Latham, the, mm-hmm. the, the strip sack play there to start the second half where, um, you know, he, I mean, he kind of, I, I thought he was going to take Willis's head off. I mean, he came through there <laughs> just like the guillotine and, uh, ball pops out. I believe it was Hayes Maples that fell on top of it when they were able to get the, uh, get the fumble recovery led, leading to another one of those Tate Whiteley rushing touchdowns. Um, but it was, it was really a, a clutch play at a clutch time in the game and kind of opened the door for the Golden Eagles to have a shot at getting back into it. Yeah, Latham's an absolute animal out there. Uh, he, he plays fast. He plays aggressive. He, um, he, he. Did he? Did, was he around for the entire game, or did I just start noticing it? Was this the game that he was suspended for a while, or what? You know, I'm not 100 percent on that. I don't. I okay. think that, I think that was the last game. Okay. I'm pretty sure it was the last. Well, game. once he got to going, man, he, he's just he's he's so fast, and he's just so angry. Yeah. <laughs> you know? He looks like he's. He, that's what you got to do. When you're in that position, and 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 uh, I think he's the guy that's just not going to take much more of this. He's going he's just going to put it on his shoulders. He's going to go out there and and uh, do what he did the other day. So I wish we had about seven more of them. Um, but but yeah, he's he's an awesome player. He's he's one of my favorites to watch. Uh, need to work on. Okay, uh, need to work on. Um, the defensive backfield, and I know that we have COVID things, and I know that we have injuries. And I know that – and I think the game plan was just to kind of keep the game in front of us the whole time. We give up a whole lot of wide-open receivers. But, you know, after a while, there's just too many wide-open guys. I mean, how many times – a lot of a lot of times the, the quarterback would break contain or maybe not even break contain. And w- when the camera panned out to the guy catching the ball, he was the only one on the television screen. So that's that's a little too wide open for me. Um, I, I, I would like to see us play, you know, a little bit more aggressive on that end. And, and like I said, I, I realize what we're trying to do, but there has to be a, a happy medium there or something where maybe you're not directly up on him, but he's not just 10 yards wide open. And, you know, I, I know we were a little outmanned. Uh, mm-hmm. they, they've got tremendous speed and, and, and Willis is, you know, like I said, probably the best football player we're going to play against this year. Um, but at the same time, gave up 345 yards to the air, 192 on the ground. Willis himself, 345 yards to the air, six TDs passing, also 97 yards on the ground, and one TD rushing. So he had seven touchdowns in this game, mm-hmm. which you never want to give up seven touchdowns to anybody. I don't, I can't think of a time where we've ever, I don't, I know our touchdown record is like five from Austin Davis back in the day and uh, Chris uh, Windsor, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but, yeah, for somebody to, to score seven touchdowns on you, uh, that's something – I mean, and I guess there's nothing they could do about it because, you know, you, you could see that it was – it's like the effort wasn't there. But 
same time, you get a lot of new guys back there. Sometimes they're out of position. Sometimes, uh, you know, the cushion was a little, if it, it felt like it was a little too much. I don't know. Uh, we're not defensive coordinators, obviously, but that's something that we definitely have to step up moving forward. And I would expect to see them step up moving forward, given I don't, we're not going to see another Malik Willis this year. Yeah, he was as good as advertised. And we talked about him before. We said, look, you know, here's the deal. He's kind of like a Lamar Jackson. And I think everybody saw, you know, that happen. And his arm, I think, was actually even better than I thought his arm was. It's like a right-handed Michael Vick out there. Um, So he was good. That being said, I'll tell you another, I guess, good on our side and their side is that we hit him. We hit him, you know, hard a bunch of times and he was the first one up. So, you know, uh, th- th- that would have maybe been like the only way we, we could have gotten back in that game is I think for him to not be playing in the game. And we did our best to try to do that and it didn't work. And, you know, just tip your hat. The dude's good. And we're going to be watching him play for quite a while, probably. Um, my next need to work on, and this is, this is really being picky here because I love the call. Uh, but the trick play, the fake punt there in the second half, uh, Griffin Fleming, the punter, I believe from Australia, uh, hits, uh, the nature boy, Natron Brooks for a 13 yard reception, which came up just a little shy of the first down, uh, which would have kept the drive going for us. I love the call, but when, when you, you got to work on making those trick plays work <laughs> and, and my ball work, I mean, you got to get that first down. Yeah, it was cool to see as it, it was a well, uh, executed play, well drawn up play. I mean, I everything it. was good. It was, it was, <laughs> You know, I don't remember exactly what the down and distance. I mean, what, what the distance was, but it was it was pretty far. But um, but a lot of times, I mean, heck, I was in the. Uh, I, I think you were there too, probably. Uh, I remember at the Rock one time. Uh, I want to say it was UTEP ran a fake punt from like their own two yard line. I think the guy ran straight up the field, untouched to like the forty five yard line. So. Maybe that's maybe that's it was in that it was in that gray area distance where none of us think we're gonna do it. They probably don't think we're gonna do it, and it almost worked out. So well, you remember Fedora did it out of the end zone that time where the the punter would just run. Yeah, he would, yeah, he would I think just, with Fedora it was like always on because yeah, he would run like, out to the side and just just like an option. Like look, yeah. you think you can make it? Get after it. So that was cool. But yeah, it was. I mean, I guess that's a that's a work. I mean. I guess I, I guess that would be a yeah. work on because it wasn't bad. Yeah. I liked it, but the the the, the bad that I had and I have I have really just and this isn't even on our part. I have bad being three horrible calls: the block in the back on the kick return. I saw it. I know that it, 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 maybe if his arms didn't even get out out outstretched, uh, you know maybe they don't call it. I don't think it had anything to do with the play. This is the one time where I think the football should adopt something that soccer does. Where like if something on this side of the field happens, and you would normally call it, but the ball's on the other side of the field, there's something called play on, right? And you know that that took seven points off the board, and I think it was unnecessary. I saw the replay, like I said, I get it, I know why it was called. It didn't matter. The guy was going to score anyway. My second is they didn't review the spot on on the fourth down. I thought that that, that spot should have been reviewed. And then my third is that just absolute no call on the pass interference. That's three calls right there. Uh, if two of them go our way, I think at some point the game's tied. We probably still end up losing the game. But in, in, in a game like that where you're having your interim for the interim coach, you're on your backup quarterback, uh, you're listening like your entire linebacking core, 
you're, and you're playing a team like Liberty with a quarterback like Willis and a coach that wants to rub it in like Freeze, you need a lot of things to go your way. And when things like this don't go your way, it just kind of ensures that you're going to lose. But I thought that those three – I thought there's three horrible calls, and those are those were the three. Do you have any uh, more need to work on? Uh, I, I mean tackling. You know, I got tackling. It's another picky thing, but you know, we, we, even even my boy Hemby, I mean, he loves to put the big head on people, and good lord knows he can do it. Um, there's a couple times where probably if we wrap up, not just him, but everybody else, I think that if we contain and wrap up, um, that we limit it, we limit a little bit of what uh, that particular play had going on. So that's it. Well, let's move on to the because uh, we got we got our guest today. Uh, let's move on to the game coming up this weekend. That is. Mm-hmm. This Saturday, Halloween, October the 31st at 2 p.m. at the Rock. Now, keep an eye on that time as as as, uh, as we get closer to the day. It is set for two right now, but with it being on ESPN3, uh, it could be something that gets moved around with some of these games that get postponed. I'm, I don't know that that's happening, but just something to keep an eye on before you um, – you know, before you head down to the rock, because, you know, again, the game time could be moved is what I'm saying if it gets picked up by one of the other networks. But for now, it's on ESPN3. Jason Baker on the call. Do you know who is the analyst for this game? I do. Do you want me to give it away or you want to do it? Go for it. Dustin Allman. Dustin Allman is mm-hmm. the analyst for this game, the color guy. So that is that's going to be fun. I'm curious to see uh, what Dustin brings to that role. So we're taking on the Rice Owls. This weekend, let's turn it over now. We've got our friends on from the Roost podcast covering the Rice Owls. Joining us now are friends from the Roost podcast covering the Rice Owls, Matthew Bartlett and Carter. Carter, what's your last name? Spires. Spires, that's right. I mean, I have, we haven't talked since, mm, I guess, two months, a month and a half ago, so... I- <laughs> Has anything happened since then? Yeah, in in in, uh, in the world of Southern no. Miss, you know, two and a half months is uh, it's like a decade for most programs. Two and a half, it's it's like two and a half months. It's almost like the time that it takes a football to bounce off one oh. upright. We, we we're, <laughs> wow. we're a minute already. In. already, already. <laughs> that was brutal. That was brutal. I know what better. Quadruple doink. I know better. Uh, especially so after us years, today. How many years is it going to take for us to live? Is it one year per doink and then five years out where we don't have to talk about it anymore? <laughs> you know, as as a Bears fan, it's going to be a while. Um, <laughs> gonna... Did you happen to see after that Cody Parkey was trending on Twitter? I did. <laughs> I did. It's bananas. Well, let's talk about your Rice Owls. So you finally get to start the season. Everybody has had their own obstacles so to speak thus far in 2020 but but you guys um some of it has been on, on the behalf of your administration but other it's just been games have gotten canceled or postponed so talk a little bit about what's going on thus far in the season for the rice owls or i say the preseason i'm about to say where do we want to start um i guess so rice the the administration at least made the the strategic decision that they were going to try and get all of their testing in line and have everything you know p's and q's put together and basically try and thread the needle push the season back as far as they possibly could 
and then get in all of their games against the West and as much conference as they could. So, so far, you know, Rice, since they made the decision to postpone the UAB in the Marshall game, they are the one of, I think, two Conference USA teams that hasn't had a game canceled, <laughs> which, you know, it helps. It helps when you when you wait to play one for one. Right. <laughs> so 100 percent. That's pretty good. Uh, but, yeah, they pushed things back and, and got everybody on the field, got through fall camp in October, which was weird. <laughs> but uh, then they finally got to kick off. And uh, as you mentioned, it was an eventful one. <laughs> Well, you had your first game this past weekend. Like I said, it was a heartbreaker. I caught a good bit of that. Um, falling to the Middle Tennessee State, whatever they are, in double overtime. Talk a little bit about that game. Uh, Carter, is it your turn to rehash this one or me? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I don't know. There were ups and downs. It. We were a little worried going in because... After, it, you know, it was sort of annoying to to go into a game like that and your opponent has played six games and you have not played any. And somehow you are the less healthy team. Yeah, uh, because as, as Matt reported on continually through the preseason, um, Rice has had several starters. Uh, they had Brad Rosner, who basically won this game by himself last year, uh, opt out. And then they've had basically their entire the, none of the projected starting secondary was on the pregame depth chart for this game. Um, starting quarter, Trayshawn Devones did end up playing. Um, but we were a little worried that with the defense that, that losing that whole secondary would cause some problems. And it kind of played out that way. I mean, uh, Asher O'Hara threw for a whole bunch of yards, which is not something he normally does. Um, and uh, MTSU scored, ended up scoring... 34 points in regulation, which is more than any CUSA opponent, but UAB scored on them last year. Um, there were some positives to take out, I think. Uh, the run defense was as as good as we expected it to be. Uh, the offense was, I think, more efficient generally than we've seen so far during the Bloomgren era. They did a really nice job at several points in the game of kind of mixing the run and the short pass to kind of string drives together. Because last year, basically, if they weren't getting like a 60-yard run from Aston Walter or a long catch down the field from Brad Rosner, they weren't scoring. So it, it was really encouraging to see them after they got down, uh, after basically midway through the third quarter, it was 28-13. to 13, And the Rice offense of the last two years would never have put them in a position to come back and win that game. But they outscored them 21-6 to six in regulation from that point. Uh, and and got it to overtime, and and nearly nearly won it in regulation, if not for MTSU's kicker uh, kicking a career long field goal as time expired. But yeah, then they got to overtime and forced a miss on the first possession. And you know, usually you feel pretty good about that. All you need is a field goal, and um, then the quadruple doink uh, happened. Brutal. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about you guys have a new quarterback this year, a graduate transfer from TCU named Mike Collins. Tell us a little bit about Mike Collins. Yeah, I think the the thing that stood out to me coming through. So this is the the third consecutive year that Rice has brought in a grad transfer, which I, you know, is probably not the ideal strategy. I'm going to go ahead. It's not the ideal strategy. You'd like to see 
the staff bring in somebody and, and develop them uh, on their own. But but what, what we've seen so far is the the first year uh, brought in Sean Stankavage from Vanderbilt had basically played like a college snap, but but never really. Uh, had much experience in games. And then last year it was Tom Stewart, who was a starter for two thirds of a season at Harvard. And then, you know, make the next jump uh, to Mike Collins, who started a couple games in the big 12 at, at TCU and had a, a, I think he still holds several state records up in uh, Pennsylvania. Is that right? Connecticut, I think Connecticut. Yeah. The Northeast where they play football, but like, crazy numbers uh, the difference so far is he he kind of looks the part like I, he has the best arm of a rice quarterback that we've had in the past under bloomgren i would say mm-hmm. his like before at the end of the first half rice got the ball a couple yards short of the 50 with like two or three seconds left and and just because you had time rice called up a hail mary and he got it all the way into the end zone, throwing from like the 45, which was impressive. And, you know, it was a about it was it tipped up in the air. And it could have gotten caught. So he's got a pretty good arm. We're, the accuracy we're still looking at. Obviously, he hit the game winner. Well, not game winner. Could have been game winner to uh, Austin Trammell. And, and then the fourth and 20. What did that end up be? Fourth and 28, fourth and 24. So. He, he's dangerous, and, and I like the potential. I feel probably more confident about him under center than I have just entire package uh, anybody Rice has had in the past couple of years. You know, yeah, there were some some big mistakes, but on the whole, that debut was far better than what we've seen from any Rice quarterback in the last, even going back beyond the Bloomgren era to basically to like 2015. Um, so there's a lot of positives to take away there. He He's like very obviously the most physically talented, certainly of the grad transfer quarterbacks they've had. And I, I think of the quarterbacks they've had on the roster in the Bloomgren era. So I, on the whole, I think we feel pretty confident about him moving or moving forward. Yeah. Even with I I'd throw in even the he has, so he had a strip strip sack that ended up being returned for a touchdown and overthrow a guy on a deep ball by five, eight yards. Some two really, really bad. Uh, turnovers and even with that uh we're still I, i'm still really confident that he's going to do 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 quite well for rice i know you've only gotten one game in but you've you know you've had some, kind of a preseason to kind of think about this but what are your thoughts on this uh rice owl offense who's healthy to plan it yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean that that's the the sad so on the offense, I you know, you got to start with the offensive line of the running game because this is Mike Bloomgren and intellectual brutality. Uh, I think we saw we saw Juma Otaviano against Middle Tennessee look really shifty and, and had a lot of good runs and, and created in space him healthy. I mean, this is a guy who put up oh, I don't remember what the number was, 224 yards against Old Dominion as a freshman two years ago. Uh, before missing most of last season. So he was back, and, and he looked great. Uh, freshman running back, Kalen Griffin, uh, he came in. It, I, I, it was so nice. He came in in the fourth quarter and ripped off a 10-yard run, and I had the thought of, like, man, it's really nice that you have a fresh running back who's really good in the fourth quarter, and then the very next play, they hand it to him up the middle again, and he gets 20. So Rice has a one-two punch at running back that I feel great about. We like the quarterback. I thought the offensive line – 
it had its had some moments, but overall, I, I feel like played pretty well, Be- better, more consistent than it has in years past. Collins wasn't really f- fearing for his life uh, as some other Rice quarterbacks have been. Uh, but it comes back to the pass catchers outside of Austin Trammell. It's going to be him and a lot of tight ends because you know we had Brad Rosner injured, opt out. Uh, August Pete got hurt against Middle Tennessee. Zay Nipe was already hurt. Uh, Christian McStravick was a, a grad transfer coming in from Boston College that we still haven't seen. So the guys that we're talking about being, you know, first and second stream outside of Austin Trammell are gone. So it's it's going to be on a young guy or two or three to step up and, and really make plays. This is the point where if uh, I could uh, borrow a, a couple receivers from y'all guy, y'all's team at a Southern Miss, that would be okay. We wouldn't mind that. <laughs> Send them yeah. over. So they were essentially in – I rewatched the game today, and they I, – I didn't chart it play by play, but they were essentially in 12 personnel with uh, a back and, and two re- two receivers and two tight ends for, I would say, more than 50% of the snaps in the game. And they were formationally pretty diverse with that. Like they would have the two tight ends in line, or they would have a guy lined up at H-back and one guy in line, or they would – uh, have one of them in line and one of them out at wide receiver. And they use those tight ends a lot. They like 11 of Collins 18 completions were two tight ends. Uh, and those guys are good players. But the problem is between them and and Austin Trammell and Jake Bailey are the two receivers that saw the most time. Neither of they don't really have a guy that's like a downfield threat either. Uh, like they would have gotten from Zane Knipe in terms of just pure speed or in terms of a guy that had like Rosner last year who can just go up and get the ball over anyone. So they had some nice plays in the passing game, but they're really lacking a field stretching element. Um, and so once they, like they had a ton of, ton of success with just like bubble screens to tight ends. And once teams start to key on that with defense, they're really going to be need to be able to hit some balls downfield to kind of loosen defenses up. Well, that's music to my ears that uh, you guys don't have a deep threat <laughs> because uh, uh, that seems to give us uh, the most fits, I think. But um, but and, and you know, I came to the, I went to the Rice game last year. It was actually really cool. I got to go on the I, I got to fly with the team. Me and a buddy of mine we went out there. It was awesome, um, and we kind of documented the whole thing. But I was really impressed with with the defense that you guys had. Uh, so. People that are going to the game this weekend, uh, what can Southern Miss fans expect out of the Rice defense this year? I think it's a, a tale of two halves so far. Uh, I think the front seven is, is going to be among the most intimidating that Southern Miss is going to face this year. Uh, Blaze Aldridge is, you know, a contender for Conference USA player, player of the year, or at least defensive player of the year. Uh, I think 13 tackles, had a sack. Uh, at the end of the game, that was really, really big. And tech for a loss, just all over the field. Him and Antonio Montero are just lights out. I thought the front seven as a whole played really, really well. Uh, got three sacks against Middle Tennessee, which is a, a healthy number, especially with uh, O'Hara, who's, you know, running all the time. It's kind of hard to trap him in the pocket and, and take him down. So that was a plus. I, I thought on the, the plays that they were able to kind of get pressure and, and put O'Hara off his spot, that's when he kind of had trouble. It, it was the plays where they didn't get to him and let the secondary have to fend for that extra second or two that O'Hara really just started, you know, picking people apart. Um, and, you know, that is kind of the, the other thing that 
has been kind of frustrating to, to start this season. So entering, I guess, from the spring, Rice was supposed, supposed to return 10 or 11 starters on, on defense, only losing defensive tackle Miles Adams. Uh, but starting safeties, Naeem Smith and George Nyakwal uh, did not play uh, in this game. And then you had uh, Tyree Thornton, who transferred in the offseason. You have another quarter, two corners, Andrew Bird, Jason White, also hurt. And you were starting Miles McCord, his first collegiate start, a uh, Juco guy who, who didn't really play much last year when he was hurt, and uh, a true freshman, Sean Fresh, um, mixed in with uh, Treshawn DeBones, who played a little bit last year. So relying on basically a, a very, very fresh secondary. And I think we were talking about maybe – you know, the conference as a whole when we came on or you came on a whoever's podcast <laughs> a couple weeks ago, months ago, whenever that was uh, about Astro Hera and saying, you know, he's probably one of the better quarterbacks in the conference. And so I, I don't know who and maybe you, y'all do who is going to be playing quarterback for for Southern Miss this weekend. But uh, I would prefer if he doesn't throw downfield. It is looking right now like uh, Jack Abraham is back. Um, so he, I would expect him to play. I'm not sure what the status is on Tate Whiteley. He got hit, got kind of a dirty hit the last play of the game. And I don't know. I mean, he was on the side, you know, he's a tough guy. He got up, he shredded it off, but I, I wonder how the post game evaluation went with that. So I expect you'll see Abraham this week under, uh, I say under center out of the gun. Which, you know, the rice kind of more or less held him in check last year. Right. Like a different secondary, but Rice was excellent last year. The defense was tremendous. I mean, Blaze Aldridge was all over the place. So you know, you, you definitely gained some respect last year, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I believe he only had one touchdown pass. Yeah, no, did he have any? I I don't know. The I know there was a late touchdown run that that got the twenty to six score, which got me paid at the bookie. But uh, <laughs> that was that's uh, but yeah, it was a very low scoring game. I'm trying to think now. I'm going back and look. I don't think he threw it. No, he didn't throw a touchdown. 200 yards and one interception. There you go. So it's gonna have his work cut out for him this week. I mm-hmm. take that. Mm. Yeah, I th- the key matchup for me, I think, on that side of the ball, um, when Southern Miss is on offense, is really the the pass protection and the O-line versus the Rice defensive front, because if this sort of uptick in pass rush that we saw for Rice against Middle Tennessee, if that holds up, and I think there's every reason to think it will, they've got really disruptive players in the front, and I, I was really impressed rewatching with the play of the defensive line in particular. Um, if they can just, like, they don't have to give him on the ground a whole bunch of times, but with this new secondary like upon rewatch, I was not as down on them as I had been immediately after the game. Um, there were a couple of busts and a couple of plays where freshmen kind of got lost on double moves or stuff like that. But like Matt Mitch and Sean Fresh, the the freshman who they had out there a lot at corner. And other than a couple early mistakes, like he's he's fast and physical and really sticky in press coverage, which is what Brian Smith loves to do. So if they can just get Abraham off his spots a little and keep him uncomfortable. I think that will be enough for this secondary to play a little more comfortable. Um, Cause I actually thought the safeties played fine for the most part. Um, but if he's just sitting back there and dealing, then, and then 
I, I don't have enough confidence unless Naeem Smith is suddenly healthy this week that they're going to be able to to slow down the Southern Miss offense. This is your third season under Mike Bloomgren. It's, it's looks like he's progressively gotten better each year. Uh, is is he the is he the right fit here at Rice? Well, I'll say I think so, and I and I, I believe that coming into the season. And this is, you know, we talked all off season. How do you evaluate? a college football season in the middle of a pandemic where games are getting canceled and you're missing players. You know, I'm maybe I'm sure Nick Saban could lose his entire wide receiving core and his entire secondary and, you know, not, not miss a beat, but okay. You can't say Nick Saban loses wide receiver a couple of days after the Jalen Waddle injury. Oh, I'm, sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm still mourning over here. Okay. But y'all have there's an Alabama still has another first round NFL draft pick on the field at wide receiver. Like he's going to be OK. <laughs> well, <laughs> so the Rice does. I mean, I love Austin Travel, but he's probably not going to be a first round pick. Um, and so that's that's the, the most difficult thing for me. And it's it's so you watch that bounce on the upright <laughs> that, you know, went viral after the game. If that bounces in, then all of a sudden the narrative, despite all the mistakes and things that went wrong, is. Man, they won three games in the last year. They lost so many pieces, and they still found a way to win. And the game was exactly the same, except for one random bounce. Sure. So I, I still feel pretty good. You know, the fact that Rice was able to turn to Sean Fresh, who was one of the higher-rated commits that Rice has had in program history, and he was able to kind of hold his own. You know, there was like he wasn't great. He didn't. It was his first start. He wasn't. You know, go pick your random. Uh, I, I was going to bring back another SEC memory for you, Carter. Uh, uh, D- Derek Stingley wasn't Derek Stingley, but I, but I think we liked what we saw. And so, I, you know, if we thought if the, I, I just wish we could have seen Rice with the defense we expected, because I really do believe if they had their secondary intact and you can it's, it's funny because you can lose a guy here or there. But if you lose your entire starting secondary, like. You can't compensate that for much as far as the next man up. So I still feel really good. I think if Rice had had their secondary, they would have had that one extra play that that would have put them over Middle Tennessee. And I think we're talking about a completely different outlook on the shortened season if that were the case. Yeah. And and speaking as an alum and and looking at it from kind of a macro perspective, like there's a certain set of of older Rice fans who – still believes that Rice should be in the Southwest Conference and that the Southwest Conference still exists and that look at Bloomgren's tenure and say, oh, he's only won five games in, you know, two seasons. Like, why don't we get rid of this guy? And I saw somebody on a, on a Rice alumni Facebook group su- today suggest Bill O'Brien. And I was like, what on earth? Please, God, why would you say that? <laughs> um, but the thing I really like that Bloomgren's done in his tenure here is give Rice a unique identity as a football program. And I'm not just talking about like the intellectual brutality branding, although that, I mean, it kind of cliche to say that that sums it up, but it kind of does like under previous coaches the last couple of years. And, I, and I'm certainly not saying anything bad about David Bailiff. Um, he is by all accounts, one of the most incredible human beings you'll ever meet. Um, he led rice to three straight bowls to two 10 win seasons to a conference championship by like, by any measure of successful Rice coaches, he had an extremely good tenure in his 11 seasons. But it felt like Rice had become a program where we were positioning ourselves as sort of a a peer to the other 
like G5 Texas FBS schools. The like there wasn't much to distinguish us as a football program from UTSA or UTEP or UNT or Texas State. But Rice as an institution, and I'm not just like this is not some like, yeah, we're a smart school type thing. Like you are Rice. (laughs) Rice as a school has an identity and a culture that is very unique and very like, I don't know. We, we draw from a very like nat like national sort of recruiting of prospective students. And it seemed like, Rice recruiting before Bloomgren had become kind of a we basically recruit Texas and we're taking guys who are smart enough to get into Rice and who are not getting, you know, are not, are not so talented that they're getting recruited by like Texas and A&M and schools like that. And I really loved how Bloomgren has nationalized that perspective to go out and say, you know, there's no reason we can't recruit the way that Stanford did to to go into places around the country and find a guy that's an exact fit and and you know that fits the profile in terms of grades in terms of you know the things that they're looking for in in football characteristics and to recruit those guys and so when you combine that with this playing of a sort of unique style the kind of zigging where everyone is zagging on offense particularly at the G5 level I really like that he's essentially brought something that's differentiating rice from other programs that, that, that makes us stand out. And that like, I don't know. I'm still optimistic about where he's heading in terms of just basic results in terms of both recruiting and, you know, the things that lead the things that lead to wins and in terms of actual wins, even though the wins aren't there yet, but it it seems like he really, he understands what kind of job this is. And and that makes me feel very confident about the fit. Yeah, and I think it t- ties in with him him moving over from Stanford and you know intellectual brutality that was a thing under David Shaw, and so he's kind of picked up and and continued where he's at, and it's it's very evident that he views this as. You know, there's other I mean, we talk we talk about Seth Luttrell, who seems like one of those guys and I'm not just going to call him out, but he seems like one of those guys that is not long for for Conference USA has his eyes elsewhere, will probably jump up, at least get a coordinator job, things like that. Like Bloomberg is is a guy that you can kind of just tell from from talking with him in the the vision he has for this program that he's planning to stick around for a while. And, you know, it probably helps that, you know, his commitment to run the football and, and use a fullback. Uh, is not going to fly in probably what 124 FBS jobs. So that the pecking order of, of schools that would come and poach him should something go really well here is, is probably smaller. But uh, yeah, I think he's he he's he wants to be around for a while, and you know he's raising the talent, and that's that's step one. Uh, Seth Luttrell is like a roided out Sean Hannity. That's what I think of every time I see him. <laughs> oh God, I am never going to be able to unsee that. <laughs> Well, uh, another player. I don't. I don't know what his what his playing time is. But um, what's what's going on with Luke Armstrong, Lance's son? Luke Armstrong. I isn't Lance Armstrong's son on your team? He is. No, yeah, yes. he is. I'm trying to think through. I don't think I've seen him. I'd have to go check part participation. He's he's kind of stuck on the depth chart. He's, I think they might have moved him to fullback. Yeah, he wasn't. That right. He wasn't back. Um. 
but they I'm trying to think. So Rice's starting fullback is out. They have gone through. They actually had played a, a true freshman walk on at, at fullback, former offensive lineman uh, this past weekend. So they've kind of done a couple of different things, but they have a couple of options. He is not at the top of the fullback pecking order, which is pre- prestigious at, at Rice, <laughs> I guess. Uh, <laughs> Well, When's a, the last time y'all had a fullback? It's I mean we have like a we'll have like an H back. I was about to say how many fullbacks are in Conference USA? Well, UTEP uses one, right? Uh, count the number that are on Rice's roster, and that's ninety <laughs> percent. Uh, UTEP never scores, so I don't know if they use one. They, hey, they <laughs> scored this season. <laughs> they, yeah, they have. Yeah, they have scored this say, season. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna uh, go no. all out on UTEP, but no, they, no, they can score a little bit. <laughs> you're right. You're right. That is fair. That is very fair. North Texas didn't want to go play him, apparently. So <laughs> do, do not pay close attention to who the wins are against. But hey, in El Paso, three wins is three wins. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Especially when your city's about to get shut down. So <laughs> yeah, <oof. laughs> goodness. Well, so let's talk about the game this weekend. Um, you've seen how Southern Miss has done thus far, one and four on the year. Does it does it bother you that you're a point and a half underdog at this point? Well, maybe it's more telling that I think the line opened at three and a half, and I, I saw it at one earlier tonight. So, yeah, it may be down to one. I mean, I I, I fully expect. Is Scotty Walden worth what two and a half points? Well, it's hard to say. I mean, he he definitely brings the energy and the excitement, but uh, I thought, you know, I, I think Liberty's probably the best team we're going to see all year. I don't know schematically if there's going to be much of a difference. Um, so it's hard to say, uh, but you know when when it was announced that he wasn't going to be around, I fully expected the line to drop a little more. Um, I, I think there were some Southern Miss fans that were surprised that we were favored, um, you know, and I think there's, uh, it's just one of those things. We're a very volatile team right now, so we could come out and light the scoreboard. We could come out and you know it could turn Lay into down. A, it could turn into a shootout shootout between fullbacks. I mean, we don't know. <laughs> it, it's well, honestly, yeah, well, that's the big thing that you got to look for with this game, I think, is how these kids are going to respond. Think about everything that the Sutter Miss players have been through this year. We're on the interim for the interim, right? Seven starters quit before the season starts. Um, every time something gets going good in, in, or, or, or bad in Sutter Miss's uh, camp, uh, somebody quits. So uh, the indication so far, at least on social are that the players are bought in and they're kind of going to come out and just like, hey, nothing to lose type of thing. But at the same time, you know, you really have to wonder how much effort they're going to give. And and I listened to the coaches show, which aired last night, and I listened to it, which was very weird. Um, the second time this year that it's been a weird coaches show. Uh, but <laughs> they Only were the second. They, yeah, yeah, because the first one, like it was, they didn't, they announced hopped. Hopson was gone in Monday afternoon, but they recorded the show Monday morning, so he just wasn't on it. Ooh, but they didn't awkward. even address it on the. They did. They had like an assistant coach on. You're sitting here like, are we going to get any juice out of this one, or is this, you know? <laughs> so, uh, but one of the things that he was talking about was the, the Rice defense that we faced last year and how difficult the scheme was and how well the defense played and how that's going to be something to watch in this, in this particular game. So I, I think you guys definitely have some respect in that regard, but, but what are your thoughts on the, the game this weekend? It's sort of funny that one of these teams has played five games and one of them has played one, 
But I, I kind of feel like I know more what I'm going to get from Rice than I do from Southern Miss. That's so fair. That's, a, <laughs> that's an odd way to feel about it. But yeah, I mean, I think it's going to come down to – I think Rice can, stu- can score. I, I feel good enough about what I've seen – what I saw from them last Saturday in terms of both scheme and effectiveness. I mean, Matthew talked about the O-line a little bit and watching it again, I thought they really did a fabulous job of getting a hat on a hat uh, in, in terms of the blocking up front, which is really important when you're going to play as many two tight in and kind of jumbo package sets as Rice does, because, you know, somewhat paradoxically, I think people don't often realize that rushing tends to actually be less efficient when you have more blockers in the box because you invite more defenders into the box on the other side. And one of the things that correlates most strongly with rushing efficiency, no matter what the situation is, how many defenders are in the box. But I was really impressed with Rice's ability to get a hat on a hat in terms of the run game. And then the pass protection was as good as they need it to be, uh, particularly with how much they threw it short. Um, so as long as they can eliminate those bad mistakes they had, I think they'll score. Um, the The wild card for me is how does the secondary look? Do they get anyone back? Can they make enough improvements that they get some disruption with the front and that prevents explosive pass plays? Because with this price defense – if they can, you know, just scheme-wise and with the front they have, if they can prevent explosive pass plays, they are really, really hard to score on because they're going to play really aggressive in the front. They're going to be a lot of pressure, a lot of different rushers. They're going to throw a lot of different looks at you. And if you can't hit them over the top and beat corners in one-on-one press man, like just just win your, win your battles in bump-and-run coverage, then... There's not there's not a whole lot you can do. They're they're so ferocious on the front, and if you try to throw it short and kind of dink and dunk down the field, they're just they're gonna swarm to the ball, and you're not gonna get much on them. So, I that is the number one thing I will be watching is can Rice get enough pressure and can the secondary stick with their men long enough to prevent the explosive pass plays because I think that's really the key to the game for me. Yeah, I would agree with that and. And I'll add, and just from what I've seen from Southern Miss so far this year, and like you said, like the circumstances, like this team has been dealt like such a hard hand. And like, so getting there makes sense. But like, we know Jack Abraham is, is pretty good, but he makes mistakes, you know, at least he has in, in years past, it's just where he's thrown the football, the interceptions can, can tick up there. Uh, and the defense is, is, you know, between between injuries and who's left. I I don't think like we we know I've, I've, I I I won't speak for you. I don't think Southern Miss is is a, a very great football team. I don't even know if they're good. Like, I feel like they can score and like they're probably, you know, on par with a lot of Conference USA teams. I don't know how good Rice is. Like, I feel like I can safely say. Miss is probably somewhere in the middle. Like they're going to have their good days and days, and yeah, they could eat rice. Like they have the playmakers, especially a wide receiver, to do that. Uh, but with rice, like Carter was saying, like if rice can really batten, you know, batten down the hatches and play good defense in the secondary, 
And, you know, the only turnover they forced against Middle Tennessee was basically a dropped exchange by the running back. If they get any help from Southern Miss in that area, like the Rice defense, it's it's better than the 40 points it gave up against Middle Tennessee. And, and the offense, you know, had, had three turnovers for Rice and, you know, left a lot of points on the field with settle, settling for four field goals. And in that, they had an 18-play drive. So like the offense, like I, I don't I don't remember the last time I saw Rice com- convert that many third downs in a drive and just stay on the field. Uh, so good and bad, I'm uncertain how good Rice is. Like I feel I, I feel like they're as good as they were last year, if not better. And this was a game that went down to, you know, like you said, that long touchdown run at the end of the game. This was a one score game through and through. Um, so I, I feel like if Rice can just clean up the mistakes. Uh, then, you know, they're going to be at least even with Southern Miss. And then you have everything, all the questions that's going on in Hattiesburg with, you know, who's coaching and what that's going to look like. I have no idea. So I, I, I still feel pretty good about Rice's chances. All right. That was Matthew and Carter from the Roost podcast. You can check them out on all the podcast networks uh good stuff always fun catching up with those guys so like we said we've got the rice owls this weekend halloween come out and support these players man come out have a good time we got nothing to lose you get to see us build for the future and all this that and the other i got a few more things we need to mention before we get out of here we got a new commit this week uh, jeremiah robinson a six foot 185 pound wide receiver from pedal got to see him in person a couple weeks ago he was impressive so be on the lookout for him also the conference usa basketball schedule was officially released this week and it is going as we mentioned how uh, we're going to have two games at home with the same opponent and then the following weekend two games away on thursday and saturday with the same opponent with the exception of one series where we're going to have one home and one away with louisiana tech but you can go on the Southern Miss website, southernmiss.com, and check that out. All right, let's shut it down. You can follow us on Twitter at to the top talk. You can follow me at Jamie underscore Arrington and Jason Bumper J. Bailey. We, we are on uh, Facebook and Instagram as well. Jason, do you have any parting thoughts? Uh, the only shout-outs that I wanted to give is I want to give a shout-out to whoever in the world our next coach is and whoever in the world wants to come and meet me at 4th Street Bar this Saturday for pregame. So I'll be there at 11 a.m. Come see me. Oh, interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Beers on them. (laughs) All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. And as always, Southern Miss to the top. Talk.